Hello and welcome to season two. I just want to give you a little heads up that you may hear some feedback during our interview because we were recording via Facebook um, and Kina is in a completely different country. And so I just want to let you know that there may be a couple glitches in sound, but hopefully that will not stop you from enjoying this amazing episode. So hang on for the intro. Hello, hello, hello. I have missed you guys and I'm so happy to be back with season two of the Winning With Your Homegirl Nyla O podcast. How are you guys doing? It is almost officially summer. We are getting into the swing of things and my birthday is next week, which I'm, well, actually it's this week. And I'm super duper excited about that. I um, am in Chicago for the summer, which hasn't happened in a very long time. And so I intend to do all the things that I can do to enjoy myself because I can't really travel right now. I can't travel until um, I can't travel until mid-August. And I'm super, super excited about that. If you guys um, don't know, I love to travel. Um it is one of my favorite things to do. I like seeing new places, meeting new people, seeing new things, and I'm super excited about it. Um, so I got a lot of travel plans coming up for the year. Um, but speaking of travel, on today, on absolutely this day, we are going to be talking to the queen of travel. This young lady is absolutely amazing. So I went on a Dubai trip back in like 2017 or something. Um, and Kena Williams is like the clutch. I joined a group called Nomadness Travel Tribe on um, Facebook. Um, a lot of people were a part of it, young, black, and fabulous. And I'm like, I want to be a part of the travel tribe. I want to go places. And so I was able to go to Dubai. Um, it's called the Dubai Blackout that she did through the, um, the tribe. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, my friend and I actually extended our trip a couple of days. So we were there for almost two weeks. Um, but I think the trip was like, like eight or nine days or something. I can't remember. But we were there for almost two weeks. But let me tell you something. It was, almost, it was about 600 of us. And when I tell you, like she had everything organized down to the T, it was absolutely everything on point. Her name is Kena Williams and she's the president of Kena L. Williams LLC Travel Consulting and Planning Company. Her social media is just me, Kena, K-E-N-N-A. And um, that's for her Instagram. It's at just me, Kena, or book that ish. B-O-O-K-D-A-T-I-S-H-T. You can also find her at uh, Kena L. Williams, LLC.com, or you can send her an email at Kena at Kena L. Williams, LLC.com. Kena L. Williams, um, LLC.com, she founded it in 2017 by force because she was planning all these trips. So I'm like, girl, like you absolutely, it was long overdue. She plans the most amazing trips and can do it for so many people. So like, this is your business. This is your gift. Um, for years, she conducted the infamous trademark Dubai blackout as a hobby, but I'm so glad that some of her friends convinced her um, to turn her passion of showing people the world into something greater to inspire others to travel. It, I'm totally inspired. Um, Ms. Williams is known 
in travel circles as the creator of the trademark phrase, book that ish. And one of the survivors of the Panama 13 accident in 2015. Um, she has been featured in Essence Magazine, Huffington Post, and various travel blogs and outlets. Miss Williams is an aerospace engineer by degree, but her real passion is exploration. And she is a descendant of the explorer, Matthew Henson. Miss Williams hosts several group trips throughout the year. And she also provides travel consulting and planning plus private hire. And it is she, whatever the charge is, she's well worth it because Kena is amazing at what she does. Um, she's previously f lived in Southern California, but now Canada moved to South Africa. Do you hear me? She lives in South Africa now. Like all of y'all with y'all COVID hopes and dreams and talking about moving across the world and living somewhere else and this country don't appreciate you. And then I start hearing people backtrack on that. Well, listen, Kena made it happen and she is living her best life and she is here to join us today. So I'm super excited to interview her. Give me a quick second and we will be right back with Kena L. Williams, okay? Hello. 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 Hi, Kena. Hey, you can hear me. I can hear you. Can you hear me? This is wonderful. Yes, technology. <laughs> Does this, uh, can you hear me clearly? I can. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you and share all this amazing information as I speak to you from Chicago all the way to South Africa. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So um, I just gave an introduction about you and what you do, which is absolutely amazing. I don't understand how you're able to reel in 600 young black and fly people in another country <laughs> and get them to act right so they can enjoy themselves, but you do it. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> so I'm like, if you can do it for 600, you can do it for one, six, or 16. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I just, so I have some questions for you because, you know, I follow you on social media. I see you living your best life and I'm just like, Kenny is doing her thing and I love it. And I want her to give wings to other sisters so they can know how to live their best lives too. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. Okay. So Kina, okay. You're living your best life and I love seeing it. You know, we as black women, um, love seeing each other like thrive and prosper. It is encouraging. And um, have you always been a person who desired to live on her own terms? Or was there something in particular that influenced, you know, you to be this way? Um, I think I've always wanted to live on my own terms. I tell people I'm a Sagittarius and Sagittarius people are always crazy doing what they want to do. They don't really care what people think about what they do. So I've kind of lived like that most of my um, entire, probably my entire life, I've been like that. I've had, you know, my grandmother was always like, do you, do what you want to do. Don't worry about what these boys say. Do what you want to do. And I've been like that pretty much my whole life. Yes. I love that. Kudos to Granny. <laughs> Kudos. She spoke life and she spoke into the dream yeah. and you, you ran with it. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so you are definitely somebody who I would call a travel expert. I follow a lot of travel pages on Instagram, 
and I see all these amazing locations, but then I'm always like, oh my God, I don't know these people. What if, you know, I, I have them book my trip and then they take my money and then I can't be swinging in the rainforest. So <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. If I'm going to book a trip to go to an amazing destination, I'm going to choose somebody who I have been on the trip with and who I know handles that business and gets the job done, which is you. So... Is there um, one particular um, experience in your life that cultivated your love of travel? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm actually, I actually, I tell people this, I didn't learn this until I was probably um, in my early 20s. I'm actually a descendant of Matthew Henson, who was one of the explorers that went to the North Pole with Sir Ed Edmund Hillary. So I like to say that oh. that travel, that uh adventure is was already in my bloodline so you know i'm thinking hey if it's there let me cultivate this let me continue to um go places and continue to have an adventure and you know just have a life journey not just a regular standard stagnant life like some people they get up they go to work that's mm -hmm. it some people have vacation time they don't even use you know i'm just like no, you got to live your life and do things and go places. And um, I'd say that. And also my grandmother was um, someone that traveled. I don't think she ever traveled overseas, but um, she would, was always down for road trips, um, flying places. And when I lived in California, I used to joke and say that my grandmother was the person that visited me the most out of everybody. She would take the bus. Wow. She would get on the plane. She would come out there. She was the person that visited me the most. Wow, that's awesome. Girl, when I lived in California, my mother came one time and I took her by Skid Row and she didn't come back. Oh. She was like, uh-uh, I don't like this. No, no, I don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah, Skid Row is, whoo, that's something else. That is something else, indeed, definitely. Yeah, it is definitely a sight to see, but we're going to keep it positive up in these streets. Um, yes. What has been your absolute favorite travel destination and why? Ooh, am I allowed to say bad words? <laughs> yeah, girl, you can say whatever you want because we act the fool on here. Okay, um, I'm going to curse because it will only make sense when I say this. My yes. favorite destination is India. And India mm. is probably my favorite destination because it is a, excuse my language, it is a total mind fuck completely. It's one of those places when you go there, um, it will cause you to stop in your tracks, cause you to sensory overload, visual overload. And it's something that will cause you to see whatever is going on in your life. I like to say that I talk a lot in person, but that destination is the only place that will make me shut up and listen to what's around me. Whether that is, um, I don't know, nature trying to tell me something, um, something in the spiritual realm trying to tell me something. But that place, every time I go, it's like, I don't know, it's almost like a healing type of place. A lot of people like to go to Bali for healing and Bali is a great place for that. But for me, uh, India is always my number one destination. If I'm like, I need to hear, that's where I'm going. Hmm. That I know, crazy. Amazing. A lot of people hate India, but it's like my favorite place to go. 
Well, I've always wanted to go there because I love the culture. I love the textiles. Um, I've seen so many, like Slumdog Millionaire, I was fully invested, fully engrossed. I wanted to get up at the end of the movie and start dancing in the train station. Like, I, you know, I connect with the culture so much in so many ways. Like, when so when you went like what were some of the things that what are some of the things that you would do like i know you said you listen to nature and all those other things but what are some of the things that you would do in your travels in india that would really help you to feel grounded or connected or feel like you know you're being taught something um for me um I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe most people in India are Hindu. So I like to go to Hindu temples. So um, going there is almost like a place of tranquility, of peace. You don't have to believe in Hinduism or anything, but it's just one of those places where you go there. Um, it's like a, a symbol of, I don't know, like peace, tranquility, healing. And typically when you first walk into one of those temples, there's always like a priest or somebody that ties like this. Um, I can't remember what it is. They tie this thing on your um, on your wrist, and basically, like they say a little prayer to like send you on your way. And it's almost like you don't know these people, but it's almost like you need it. Like you look forward to it every time you go. So every time I go to India, I make sure that I try to at least step into one, um, at least one temple in one temple. Wow. That is amazing. That sounds like I feel like I need to go there right now. I want all the <laughs> well, we can't go right now, but hopefully um, so. <laughs> goodness gracious. Well, speaking of we can't go right now, how have you seen international travel change um since the pandemic? And are are there any tips that you would give people, you know, regarding post-pandemic travel? Um, that's a, another great question. Um, as far as tips for the travel, number one, just be, um, you know, come to the airport a lot earlier than you normally would exercise patience because as we see on TV, a lot of people are breaking out in fights. Um, we're what? seeing a lot, of, a lot of fights because people are frustrated because, you know, you're required to wear a mask. You, some places you have to take the PCR test. It is a lot. So I'm just telling people to exercise patience, come in early, keep an open mind, wear your mask, stay away from people, um, and just be courteous because it is a, um, a a time that is impacting everybody. It's one of those things where it's not an individual thing. It's everybody is facing um, this, this pandemonium, this Panasonic, this pandemic, whatever you want to call it. So it is impacting everybody, every industry. So Every time you get on a plane, you got to realize, hey, I'm not the only one. Let me be cool because we're all facing the same same dilemma. Absolutely. And people have gotten so crazy during this pandemic. Like, yes. I just don't even understand the magnitude of effery. I've, I've tried not to curse as much because I like a saucy word or two. So I try to See? hold it back. <laughs> but I'm just like, what is everybody doing? From the way people drive to the way they interact in businesses and restaurants, even walking down the street, everybody has gone through, you know, something over the past year and a half. And we absolutely do need to exercise patience. That's insane. So I cannot imagine being in the airport and seeing somebody getting ready to brawl like I'm on yeah. 63rd Street in Chicago. What is happening? <laughs> I don't know, but we're seeing so many things and a lot of it's happening in the air. I don't know if you saw 
Um, there was something that happened, I believe, last week where some uh, flight attendant had to hold someone down because, I don't know, people were just losing their minds once they get on the plane. It's like, I don't know, just crazy. Girl, that is insane. Like, fortunately, the most interesting thing that I've seen happen on the airplane this week on my social media was somebody with a sewing machine trying to finish up a project. And I was like, okay, well, sir, what's your card would have been my question. Can I get your card? Because you on this plane, you are dedicated to the craft. Listen, somebody's trying to get that cash. I'm not mad. I'm not Me mad at all. Either. Can I get a whole outfit before we land? Is what I need to know. <laughs> I got some fabric in my carry-on. Let's do it. Oh my Listen, God. Right here. <laughs> wow. It is insane. Okay, so what are you, what are some of the things that you feel like? Because I, I um follow a lot of women, black women that travel. I see a lot of um black women who are moving out of the country moving to different places. Um, a lot of them talk about places that are friendly or not so friendly for Black people to travel. What are some of the things that Black people should know about international travel? Is it a different experience for us? Or are there locations that are more melanin-friendly than others? Like, what do you think about that? Um, I think for um, for Black travelers especially, there are a lot of places that are uh, probably very friendly, not necessarily for Black people, but... Um, they like Americans, like a lot okay. of places love American people. And um, even for myself, I'm, I'm in South Africa and um, I get mistaken for what they call colored people here at times. And I'm like, wait, 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 mm. no, 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 I'm not colored. I'm black, you know, mm. <laughs> what's so, the difference? Um, I, it just depends. So it's a big difference, big experience, um, no matter where you go, especially um, the Asian countries, um, some places, have never seen black people in real life. They've seen movies. Um, they've, you know, seen YouTube, uh, music videos, MTV and things of that nature. So there've been places I've been where people will come up to me. They want to touch you. They want to take pictures with you. They want you to hold their babies because this is their first experience uh, to seeing a real life black people, a black person. And a lot of people, believe it or not, believe that black people don't travel, but we do. Mm. We're out here in mass numbers you might not see us but we are we're ever literally everywhere you you will see us somewhere russia antarctica iceland no no norway everywhere we're everywhere i love it because we're winning we are here winning in these streets and people don't even know it definitely definitely so when you say um the like when you said you're in South Africa and they call you, they think you're a colored person and not a black person. What is the distinction between someone who's colored and what and who's black? Um, how is that seen differently in South Africa? Um, in South Africa, they have basically three um, categories, if if you will, of race. Um, you have white, black, and you have uh, what they call colored. A colored person could be a variety of things. That person could be Indian. They could be um, what they call a mixture of um, Dutch people, Khoisan, which is a local tribe here, um, black, white, all like mixed up in one. It was maybe what we would call like a mixed person. Um, they could have um, Dutch heritage, uh, uh, any other tribe here, their heritage all mixed. It could just be anything. So, and most of the people, they have a particular look. And I think maybe people assume um, I am based off of my look. And even today, somebody walked up to me and they started speaking to me in Afrikaans. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Uh-uh. <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. 
aren't you? I was like, no, no, no. But aren't you? I was like, no, 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 not me. Uh-uh. That's <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to say a few words. We'll see. <laughs> wow. So you over there learning the language and getting cracking, getting it cracking. I'm trying to. Salbona, which is hello. I'm Johnny, how are you? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> okay, this leads me to my next question. So, you know, I know that you broke up with Uncle Sam and you moved to South Africa. And I've been seeing a large population of Black women discussing taking that leap of becoming expats, as they call it, or expatriates, um, and actually doing it. What do you think has influenced that in our particular subculture? Because I don't see as many men doing it um, publicly, you know, because I, I see this on social media. I see it on YouTube, but I don't see as many black men. But, um, you know, what do you think has influenced um, us like doing it? And then what were your deciding factors in making that move? We tired. That's why. Oh, yeah. We tired. Um, a lot of uh, especially you will see a lot of um, our sisters out here. Um, you see the brothers, but they a little quiet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're out here. But I think a lot of people are they're they're tired. They're leaving um, corporate America. They're leaving um, jobs where they have um, been very successful or whatever because we're tired. We're tired of being passed over. We're tired of being told you're not good enough. We're tired of being told, oh, you don't have enough experience, but you see someone that they hire and you're like, are you kidding me? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're your so boss and then you telling them how to do their job. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or they stay in the position for less than a year and then they're moved on. And you're thinking, I've been here how many years passed on? Oh, I'm sorry. You're not good enough or whatever. And I'm thinking, mm. how many years did I give this organization? And mm -hmm. I've seen pass and pass and pass and pass. So I think we're tired. We're tired. And we're also realizing um, that America is not the dream that a lot of people thought it was. And, you know, a lot of people were raised with, you know, get yourself a, a good job, stay at that job, you know, until retirement, um, you know, get yourself a, a, what is it, a house and a picket fence and dog and whatever, mm. and cat, whatever, and, you know, husband and two kids or whatever. And mm -hmm. a lot of women are realizing this, that these things are not happening for me. Let me do something else. Let me move overseas. Let me go somewhere where my finances will go farther than what they're going in the States. I can mm -hmm. still live a reasonable um, life. I can still um, do the things that I want to do and um, still be able to save and um, have a pr pretty much better quality of life. Um, you know, even moving here, I'll say this. Um, when I first moved here, I um, was losing weight because I was exercising because I had time to exercise. Mm -hmm. I was eating healthy because the food seems to be fresher here. Um, you know, good clean water and so forth. So you're more in tune to take care of yourself when you're not stressed out um, dealing with these corporate jobs, these other high demanding jobs. Even if you are, um, you know, someone that's in a job that's, I don't know, I have a friend of mine that's a bus driver. It's a highly stressful environment. Mm -hmm. So any of these environments and you leave that, it's almost like you've given yourself freedom, you know? Yes. yes. Wow. What made you um, decide to move to South Africa? And like, you know, what was the thing that you were like, you know what, I'm out of here, I'm ready to go. And then why in particular South Africa? Okay, um, I, hmm, I wasn't coming to South Africa. That was not my first um, destination. Mm -hmm. So um, 
<laughs> I always tell people that most of my stories involve it was a man. So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Go ahead, sis. <laughs> it's, always, it's, always, it's always a man mm-hmm. messing up. Stuff. But um, in 2018, um, I met this young man in South Africa and I was like, okay, this is mm, all right. This looks all right. And um, we, I'm one of those people that I have nothing to lose. And um, I will take risks that most people don't take. So I got engaged very quickly. Um, we got engaged. Um, engagement was going well. Um, so he he lived uh, here in South Africa. And um, originally, we had decided that he was going to come to America. But the thing about um, coming to America, no pun intended on the movie, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the thing about coming to America for some people coming from African countries is they have to start all over. And the person that I was engaged to had a professional job. He's an IT consultant working for one of the biggest banks here in South Africa. Mm-hmm. If he had come to the States, he was going to have to start all over. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do that. And I think also maybe a little bit of male ego there. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I get that because imagine, you know, you come into America, you, you know, you make a great, decent living in South Africa. You have a nice place and then realize I had to start at the bottom. Some men at their age, they're like, no, I'm not doing this. So um, we decided that I would come to South Africa. So uh, I made that decision, I think it was in like February, 2019. Mm-hmm. And the following month, we split up. We split up, but on good oh. terms, amicable terms, amicable okay. terms. And um, that was in March, 2019. Um, we split April, 2019. I said, you know what? I'm going anyway. So I yes. <laughs> I filed for my long-term visa with the uh, embassy, uh, I'm sorry, the South African consulate in Los Angeles. Four weeks to the date, I re- they called me and said, come and pick up your visa. Wow. Uh, that was May 2019. Six months later, I was in South Africa in November 2019. So I didn't wait. I just, I left. My original plan was... Um, <laughs> I had this goal to get married. I had this uh, thing called uh, Malaysia or bust. Oh. And I was going to Malaysia. Malaysia was my, was my original plan. However, um, uh, I'm, I was like, listen, I'm getting a little old. Um, I like to have me a man. So mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, the dating scene in Malaysia is probably not that great. Let me go ahead and go to South Africa because this country, I have friends that are already here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been here. I've been coming here for, you know, pretty much every year since 2014. So I kind of knew where places were, knew the lay of the land. I was thinking, let me just go there because I can pretty much navigate from there. And um, that's how I ended up here in 2019. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I I love it. Like you know, I remember some of that because again, I follow you on social media. Honey, Kena be booed up, honey, and I'm like, I want to be like Kena. Kena be booed up. She be around the world. She dancing. She she is living her best life. And when I say that, I mean it in every sense of the word. And I just love that because it brings people joy, or it should pe- bring people joy to see other people experiencing joy. Definitely. You know, but I love that you said you guys broke up, but it was amicable because it doesn't have to be drama. 
No. And actually, um, the good thing about it is I, I tell people that um, you can say what you want to say about my ex-fiance because one of my friends was like, I don't like that you guys broke up, blah, blah, blah. But when I moved here, that was the person that basically helped me set up a bank account because setting up a South African bank account almost caused me to flip the table over. Oh, but, Jesus. Um... <laughs> oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, he was very helpful in helping me, uh, you know, set up things, um, figuring out, okay, which grocery store to go to, what neighborhood to live in, um, and things like that. So he uh, drove me around for like the first couple of months so I didn't have to, um, take Uber or anything until I got acclimated and figured out how to get around. So he was very, uh, very helpful. Even to this day, I tell people I have not paid for Netflix because of him. I still don't oh, pay for Netflix. Yeah, honey. <laughs> you better watch them shows. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I love that. Friendship can definitely come out of those situations if everybody is mature and definitely all good. That's wonderful. So, okay, when you moved to South Africa, what did you decide to do in terms of like, okay, are you quitting your job or are you going to work remotely from another country? Okay, I had a um, job. I worked for the federal government. I worked for the Navy for almost 20 years. And I, I quit. I quit. I quit my job. Listen, and, um, I, yes. <laughs> I just quit, which, you know, people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this. You're leaving this good government job. And why can't you stay? And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, you know what? You do you and I'm gonna do me, you know, right. and I can again, I feel like I can take chances that maybe other people won't take because I, yeah. I feel like you got to take a chance. How will I know if I don't do it? So I took a chance and I quit and I left. I had an aerospace engineering job, did it for almost 20 years, walked away from it. Everybody was like, you're crazy as hell. And I was like, I got to go. I'm done. Wow. I'm completely done. So left that job. But I had, I still do. I have a, um, a small travel consulting company, which I've had for the last Oh, next month is um, four years. However, yes. I've been doing work since 2014. So it's longer than I was actually, I did it for a hobby for a long time and then I turned into a business. So um, I still do that. My company is based um, in the States and my, uh, I have an operations manager that does pretty much all of the day-to-day -day work. So I'm rarely involved unless I'm like on the trip. Mm -hmm. So she does, shout out to Sharonica. Yes, Sharonica. <laughs> Thank you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that does see, I tell her this company is really her company at this point because she does pretty much the day-to-day -day stuff maybe I should give her another raise so we'll see <laughs> yes that is amazing that is amazing so okay I'm gonna get back to this travel company in a second but I want to ask you one more question about moving out of the country because I've heard murmurings that moving out of the country has been romanticized and it's not as great as it seems and it's so different and it's different than America, which of course it is. That's why we would want to leave. But what is your response to something like that? Um, it just depends on what you're going for. A lot of people, um, ooh, we, this is, wow. Let me, let me take it this way. Um, I'm in a lot of um, Black expat groups, black sick groups, um, Bala groups and things like that, which are people that are black Americans leaving um, America, moving overseas or living abroad or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, they give their reasons for why they want to move. And that's great. But some of the reasons I see, and I'm thinking, oh, you're never going to find that. 
because mm. at the place, uh, some people are looking for this magical uh, unicorn, this utopia that it doesn't exist. I have not, I've been practically six of seven continents and this magical place, it doesn't exist. What you will do is you will move somewhere and you will make a location work for you for as long as you allow it to work for you. Uh, my original plan was to come here to South Africa, stay for a year. And then I was going to bounce and leave and go to Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. However, COVID was like, ah, ah, sit down, ma'am. And in, mm-hmm. in my city down here, I realized I like this place better than I thought. And I was like, at this point, I'm kind of, I guess, trying to establish roots to stay here longer. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have the full grasp of, of what it's like to be overseas. Yeah, I mean, you have to go, but there's a lot of procedures like a lot of people do. Oh, I'll just keep doing the 90 day visa coming in and out, in and out. I'm thinking, mm, that's not how you stay here uh, long term. A lot of people don't realize a long term visa works in your favor. Um, maybe getting a critical skills visa so you can maybe become a permanent resident, depending on which country you want to go to. There are other places that have golden visas, places that have retirement visas. Um, there's so many different types of visas to to stay somewhere. But like I said, a lot of people are looking for this romanticized, um, I don't know, this white picket fence, three-story house or whatever that we were looking mm-hmm. for. You can find it, but it may not be in the fashion that you expect. And it might come with some hurdles. There are some things that will happen in countries where, you know, everybody, we, uh, we have a... <laughs> We have a running joke that if you have not been burned in a in a country, you haven't lived yet. So, I mean, either, you know, something has happened to you. It could be something minor, like maybe your housekeeper steals from you, which I've had that situation happen. Mm-hmm. Or you may have a business deal with someone and a business deal, someone takes your money. I've had that happen. Uh, could ah. be a business a deal where you may have an issue with a taxi driver that charges you more than what you think. And, you know, there's something like that. So, nowhere is going to be perfect you just have to keep an open mind and make the place perfect for you for as long as you want it to be uh what you want it to be so i hear you saying that it's up to you to make the experience there's nothing wrong with changing there's nothing wrong with moving around seeing something different but you know you can't go into this expecting anywhere to be perfect because there's nowhere that's perfect Right. Nowhere that's perfect. And um, there's some things that you may need to leave behind. Um, <laughs> I, people always say, uh, oh, you need to leave your Americanness behind. And especially um, in, oh my gosh, in African countries, uh, time. Oh, okay. That's a great concept. I mean, it's really great. But um, <laughs> I already know, girl. <laughs> <laughs> there's no guarantee that people will move. Um, in the speed that you want. And um, a lot of people, I've seen it here, like to exert their Americanness. But in these countries, they don't care. They don't care. It's like, uh-uh. we're not, we don't care what you do, what you say. We'll get it done whenever it gets done. I was waiting to get some stuff done uh, at my house and it just took forever. And you just chalk it up to, that's just the way it is. Should it be like that? No. But I mean, we are coming into places so we have to respect uh, whatever the system is, even if the system is not right, there are some systems that can uh, that need help or whatever. But I had a conversation uh, back in February. I went on a camping trip, and these people were saying we don't like it when outsiders come in here and try to tell us what our problems are. We know what our problems are. We know how to solve them. And I had to sit back and say, "You're right. 
That's why, you know, I don't come here and try to tell the local South Africans, you should do this, this. They know. They know what to do. They're trying to do what they can to make their country um, better. So they just don't like outsiders coming in, trying to, to do this savior complex stuff. They don't like that. Hmm. I get it. I get it. And Americans, we as Americans, we we feel like we know everything. We've been conditioned to feel like we are yes. superior to everybody else. And we walk into those spaces with that attitude and people like, girl, go sit down. That's how they do you here. They're like, mm, great. We love your accent, but please have a seat. Oh my God, this is hilarious. One of my really good friends who is half Nigerian, she would tell me about these uh, trips that she would take with her father and they were having a business meeting in Nigeria. And she said, it's perfectly normal to have a meeting that was supposed to start at 11 a.m. and people don't get there till five. And you yeah. just sit there and wait. And this is what it is. It is. Wow. Okay. Well, that, honey, that is life. What are we going to do? <laughs> what is, what's like your favorite thing about living in um, South Africa or even in the particular community that you live in? Um, probably my favorite thing here is um, there are so many, well, I'll say this, there are 11 official languages here in South Africa. So you can walk outside and you can hear someone speaking Zulu, someone speaking Kosa, um, in the belly, um, petty, uh, or Afrikaans, English, um, Sutu, uh, so many different languages here. So you can walk out Zulu, anything, 11 different languages here. So you're going to hear everything, and they're all official. Um, I like that, that a lot of people are proud of their heritage, proud of their culture. And on September 24th, they have um, Heritage Day in South Africa. So that day, I love to go out and just see everybody dressed in their traditional wear. You see everything. And it's just an amazing experience to celebrate culture with people. Um, I've had a lot of great experiences here um, for the longest time. And I'm temporarily learning how to drive. I should say that I got a rental car a couple of weeks ago. And they drive on the left side. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I call it the wrong side. So I'm learning to drive here. But prior to driving, um, I would always strike up conversations with my Uber drivers. And uh, those were the people that had probably the best conversations that could tell you pretty much everything about the city. And I made friends with one, several Uber drivers, but one particular driver um, actually took me into uh, you know, into a local township so I could see how um, every the, the everyday person lives. And they invited me to attend their sister's, uh, their sister's wedding. Wow. Uh, I was away from here. So I actually went to the sister's wedding. Um, they told me I had to wear a traditional dress. I went and had a traditional dress made. Uh, when I got there, it was, I'd never seen anything like this. It was basically an all day event. The first part was a tombstone unveiling at the gravesite for the mother-in-law who passed away a couple of years ago. Wow. Then they had the wedding that uh, no, it wasn't a wedding. It was what they call a Makoti celebration. So basically participating in different people's um, culture has been uh, has been a great experience. And I met a guy, believe it or not, on Tinder mm. that <laughs> uh, this was a while back and um, I mean, I go with my gut. If my gut says yes, 
I'd, I'd go with the gut. And he, uh, we were supposed to meet that day, but we did not uh, meet where we were supposed to meet. He called me on video from one of his friend's house because it was his friend's birthday. Mm-hmm. And on that day, um, somebody in the background heard my accent. They were like, wait, 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 this girl's American? They're like, yeah. Wait, I lived in Connecticut for such and such years. I was like, oh, okay. So everybody else is talking. So they says, well, why don't you come to our house and hang out with us? Now, in America, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I can't do that. But my gut said, go. And I went, hopped in the Uber, went to the, the house. I got there. There was uh, the person's 80-year-old mother who says, sit right next to me, baby, and sat there, told oh. me a and it was a great experience. I ended up staying there for six hours. They went and got drinks. Somebody cooked. It was a amazing experience. I probably wouldn't do that in the states, but here, um, it's just it's just different. Wow. So it seems like there's a, a huge sense of community, which is one thing that we've lost in this country because everybody's so suspicious of the other person. But community seems to be such like a big thing when you live in other countries. Yes. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds like the best night ever. (laughs) It was. I was really surprised. Next thing I know, here come plates coming out. Mama has cooked. I was like, wait a minute. I just need to know what she cooked and I need to know if it was jamming. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a a simple meal. They have this this dish here called chakalaka, which uh, I don't know if you like barbecue baked beans, but it reminds me of barbecue baked beans. And that thing was good. And they have something called wars, which is like a a beef sausage, kind of, sometimes a little spicy. And I think they had some kind of vegetable and bread, but it was good. Really good. That is awesome. I love it, honey. Do it for the culture. We we are over here in this country like go, Kina, go. And where's the next location? Go, Kina, go. Take us on this journey with you. This is amazing. Yes. Okay, so starting your own travel company absolutely made so much sense because you were already like planning these amazing trips. Right. Um, I And, you know, like I don't understand like the logistics of how you made it work, but you make it look so easy. And I know it's not. <laughs> it's it's crazy on the, on the back end. Um, a lot of people say, well, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I think most people that travel with me, they know I have a rule. And I think uh, if you understand what my rule is, everything is fine. My only rule is if I say the bus is leaving at this time, just know a minute later, I'm going to be gone. And I think most people, <laughs> most people know I don't wait. I just go because I feel like um, when you are booking a trip, we have planned activities. We need to be somewhere at a certain time. And if you're holding up the trip or whatever, you're diminishing somebody else's experience that they pay for. So I don't believe in diminishing someone's experience. They should get the full experience for what they pay for, which means if we need to leave at 9, 9.30, you should probably be out there by 9.15, ready to step on that bus. If you see me, I just tell people, just start walking. <laughs> 
I know that's right, honey. Wherever Kina go, you better follow the leader. Oh my God. Speaking of your rules and speaking of trips, like I remember when we went to Dubai and like you said earlier, sometimes you'll go to a country where they don't see a lot of black people. So when we were there, like there would be people who was like slide next to us and try to get somebody to take a picture on the sneak. Or they would just be like, oh, can I take a picture with you? Because, like, they looking at you like you're a celebrity. And it's very off-putting. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, this is a different space. This is a different culture. There's nothing to be offended about. It's just like, this is a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but I also remember, speaking of Kina's rules, you told <laughs> us about excessive drinking. Yes. And you told us, like, don't be acting a fool in this country because I won't be able to help you. Exactly. (laughs) And there was a particular person on one of the trips who got so drunk. Mm. And me and a friend I was with were looking like, oh, Jesus, what's about to happen? (laughs) You know what? It's so funny because that person actually... um, their birthday is actually was actually yesterday, and I actually sent them a message to say happy birthday. But yeah, there are certain places like um, depending on the country that we're going to, I have to say, okay, this is what's expected. This is what you need to wear, or things like that. That's you know, for some of the countries that may be uh, Muslim countries, because you have to respect the culture. Um, you can't come in. I'm American. I'm going to wear what I want. Uh-uh. No, somebody will say something to you and pull you to the side. Like grandma's aunts used to do, like, come here and let me tell you, sit down, baby, listen, you need to put this on or do whatever. Um, I do feel like people should wear whatever they want to wear. However, in certain places, uh, certain countries, uh, our uh, mindset does not work. So that's one thing. I remember (laughs) you making me (laughs) pull up stories. And on that particular trip, that person was completely... Ooh, completely, completely, completely wasted. And um, we went to go check on the person. Oh my gosh. Uh, I've never done this on a trip, except for this particular trip, but um, which I tell people, if, if you don't know how to watch your liquor, leave it alone. Like leave mm-hmm. it alone. Because um, in Dubai, these parties, they have a lot of alcohol. Um, that's just how it is. And um, <laughs> just remembering this whole thing is I can see it now. We went to, to <laughs> I don't know if you do this, but we went to go check on the person. We get mm-hmm. there, you know, security. We're like, please open up this room. We need to make sure that this person is fine. Um, the security was like, no, I said, listen, you need to open up this door. They finally open up the door. The person is laying on their back completely. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, no, if you're drunk and you throw up, you're going to choke to death. Yes. So, mind you, I, one of my friends was with me, Asia Day, if she's out there listening to this. Um, we were like, it was I think me, Asia Day, and, and Bernessa. The person was naked. So, oh, yeah. no. I mean, I like, wow, okay. But anyway. <laughs> oh, God. We, we flipped him over. We, flipped, we had to flip him over. Mm-hmm. Proper prepared to go, you know, down because if he threw up, you know, at least it's coming out. You're not choking on it. Yes. You know, we went back a couple of hours later to check on him. And, you know, I wrote messages all over his room. I was like, You're, when you wake up, call me immediately. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, I went off because I'm like, dude, you're grown. You're an adult. You know better. You know what your your thing is. And also, you know, who left you here? You know, how'd you get here? I don't even know how you got here. So, yeah. Wow. 
Well, I just know that I know that you swooped in to save the day. And that's another thing about traveling with people who have um, a heart and who have integrity and who also have like a great business model. You could have just been like, well, that's on you, bruh. But you swooped in and you saved the day. I saw you like, you know, going in and, and handling business for this person because sometimes that's just what we have to do for each other. And it looked like you did it with such grace and such ease. And I'm sure it is a challenge when you have people like I remember some of the things about like as women telling us how not to dress so we won't be mistaken for prostitutes yes. or like keeping your cheeks in your shorts. Like, yes. calm down, sis. <laughs> Listen, keep them hands and yams uh, closed up right now. <laughs> yes, because you don't. Because when we went to the um that that Halloween party, that Jazzy Jeff party, honey, it was a lot of a lot of grab grabbies out there trying to get the girls. Of course, of course, because you know we most well most of the black women I know we are curvy, voluptuous, um, fine, sexy, and a lot of people they see that. Um, and they, they want it. However, men should know better not to touch them. They need to be taught that. Yes. Um, what we're wearing, if we're there naked, tell you, know, you don't touch. Yes. Our, our sound has changed a little bit, Kina. Did you do anything, diff anything different with your positioning? No, no. Can you hear me now? Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Um, you were saying that men should know not to touch because just yes. because a woman looks good and she's got all the curves, keep your hands to yourself, sir. Exactly, exactly. It's so true. It's so true. And like Tina just told y'all, if y'all don't want Monique to be pulling y'all over in these different countries, tapping y'all with these bonnets and these house shoes and having your yams out, then y'all better do right. Look up the customs of where you're going. Look up the culture. And don't go out there trying to act a fool just because you feel like you should do it. Because the world doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. Agree. Totally. Okay, so um, you do these um, amazing, you've done these amazing trips. What, what, do you, what can you say that people can expect when booking a trip through your travel company? What sets you apart? Um, that's a really good question. You ask a lot of great questions. Um, I think <laughs> Most of the places, uh, especially if you're booking um, like a group trip with me, uh, these are places that I have been to um, several times, places that I've vetted. Um, I have pretty good uh, relationship with my vendors. So it's a place that I like to go. And um, I typically go on all of my trips. That's probably uh, a unique factor. So if something happens or you need something, my face is there. I actually keep office hours um, on trips where you can actually come and talk to me doing the trip so and with those office hours my door is wide open so you can wow. just come in and um talk to me during those office hours i shut down at a certain time and i was like if you need something if the front desk can't fix it then you call me wow so there there i'm trying to you know be their own person and um all of the activities these are things that i've actually done um i love doing this this is a it was a passion of mine it was a hobby that i turned into a business and uh you know, I'm there for you. I can understand the experience that a person is um, trying to get because, you know, what I expect for myself is what I would give um, to to each each client that I have. That is awesome. So how can people if, if you know, they don't want to go on one of the trips that you have already got planned out for the year? 
how can someone start the process of just booking their dream vacation with you? Should they just email you and say, hey, Kina, like, here's what I'm interested in doing. Can you work with me to make this happen? Or how does it work? Yeah, I do um, trip planning and itineraries for people. Um, sometimes I do some bookings, depending on what the person um, uh, requests. Most of my uh, customers, if they're not doing um, group trips, they just want itineraries. People can, you can email me or you can call me or you can reach me on Instagram. And that's something, uh, a service that I offer. I also offer um, services to small um, travel companies as well. I've had some of those people to call, ask questions about how things are done on the back end. So yeah, I do that as well. You do it all. I love it. <laughs> so somebody should not call you like a travel agent. Um, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a travel. I think the difference between a travel agent and a travel, somebody like me, a travel planner, a, travel, a person that does a, uh, maybe what I call travel consultant. I think a travel agent can probably book you for anything, but they may not have ever been to the location. They may not know anything. The information they have may be something that's just uh, generated where I can say, Hey, if you go to Panama, go to this location talk to this guy, tell him, you know me, tell him to give you what I like. You know, this more of a personalized um, experience because I'm giving you information that you may not get. I mean, it's not just Googled information. It's something where it's more personalized because I know people have the connections and, uh, you know, just have a little, a little knowledge of the places. And I want to give you a more personalized, specialized experience. Hmm. Got it. Got it. That sounds amazing. Kina, thank you so much for joining us today on Winning with Your Homegirl, Nyla O, because you are definitely winning. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. This has been a great experience. For me too. And um, I pray that our listeners are just eating this up and that they will be emailing you for their travel plans to talk to you about what they're trying to do so that you can help them bring these dreams to reality. Awesome. Do you have a blog or anything where you document your travel experiences or is it more so just following you on your social media i'm um, just following me on social media i really uh, I, maybe i should blog you're like the 50th person that told me i need to blog and i'm just like nah, 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 do it. but anyway <laughs> people can follow me on instagram at just be kina and that's k-e-n-n-a and um or send me a message there uh, it's probably the easiest way to reach me or um, through my email, which is Kina, K-E-N-N-A at Kina, L Williams, L-O-C.com. Thank you so much. And happy South Africa Ing to you. And Thank I, you. we want to know when you move again, we want to know the next place and what that experience is like, because this is amazing. Thank you for sharing with us, Kina. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. What an awesome conversation. I would just like to thank Kina again for coming on to the show today and kicking off season two with a bang. I know you guys have been sitting on your hands, you know, through this whole pandemic ordeal. Our country is opening back up. Some may say prematurely, but hey, so it's time for you guys to get on the good foot and start making your travel plans so that you can enjoy your life. But I definitely recommend that in your travels, please stay safe. Please wear your masks. Please be careful. Even if you are vaccinated, there is still a small percentage 
that you can contract the virus. So please be mindful of that. I know we are out here footloose and fancy free, but let's just be careful. Thank you so much. It was so great being back. And you guys will hear from me again next week. Much love to you. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.